Every now and then, television treats us to a strange pairing of people, like Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg hosting a cooking show. Just peel the skin off. Oh, see? you want me to take the skins in yeah, off of it? The skins in. Or Bing Crosby and David Bowie singing Christmas music. A newborn king to see. You might ask, why are they together? And yet, you find something mesmerizing about the combination. Today's episode centers on an unlikely pairing of two iconic men. One was headed to Cooperstown. If you don't think baseball is the greatest game, leave, because you're missing it all. The other guy had been leader of the free world. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. I'm Roger Weber. Welcome to Mismatch, stories of the incompatible, the unsuitable, and the out of step. It's time for the Family Feud. Producer Tom DeLisle's long TV career included work on Family Feud and The Tonight Show. He's produced TV specials, documentaries, and commercials. Now, as the 70-year-old retiree looks back on all those projects, one stands out as his favorite. I thought more of that matchup than anybody. It, it excited me beyond my dreams. To get Nixon with Sparky Anderson is just a classic. I mean, it's too absurd on one hand, and on the other hand, it's perfect. It's the television event of the year, starring the one and only Sparky Anderson, with his special guest, President Richard Nixon. It's like if, if Sparky and Nixon got, if they were next to each other on an airplane, you know, they'd have to talk about something, and this is what it would be like. Even when he was a rookie baseball manager in his 30s, Sparky Anderson looked like he'd been doing it forever. Silver hair, gravelly voice, and deep forehead furrows, courtesy of the best job under the sun. We have to be able to develop some young players. And you know, if you really look at it, Gibson was the last real good young player that we have had in the last nine, 10 years. Anderson won World Series rings for the Cincinnati Reds and the Detroit Tigers. He was the first manager to win the title in both leagues. It's just a beautiful day here at Tiger Stadium on this Mother's Day, and a happy Mother's Day to everybody as we come to you. Tiger games were carried on WDIV in Detroit, Channel 4, where Delisle worked. He got to know Sparky behind the scenes and loved the guy. What sealed the deal was Sparky's kindness to Delisle's parents, who met him during spring training in Lakeland, Florida. He sat down, filled his pipe, lit it, and talked to my mom and dad for a half an hour. He was, when he left, he was already a half hour late, but he smoked the entire bowl of, uh, of, of pipe that he had. And I could hear, he was telling my dad about Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. My dad was just thrilled. And I'll tell you, I'll jump ahead to opening day that year. Tommy says, Howard Dell in Virginia. My mom and dad, he remembered their names, asked me how they were. Sparky, the son of a South Dakota house painter, was homespun and humble. He would patiently sign autographs and pose for pictures. And he had a soft spot for kids fighting illness. And he would go to that hospital all the time without telling anybody. 
Oh, he was there almost every day. And when he would go in, he'd have three pizzas in his arms. And he would go room to room, floor to floor, handing out pizzas, talking to the kids, and he knew almost all of them by their first names. You know, then he'd leave and go to the ballpark. In 1987, Sparky created a charity called Catch to raise money for Children's Hospital and Henry Ford Hospital. The WDIV show would be called Sparky the Special, featuring a great cause and a popular host. Delisle's assignment, put it all together. And we spent about six months trying to find a big star who could appear in the show. My erstwhile bosses at Channel 4 were telling me, oh, let's get Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Barbara <laughs> Streisand. I said, are you guys nuts? We're not going to get them. But if you had told me at any time that we could land Richard Nixon, I would have said the same thing. Are you guys nuts? But during a visit to the TV station, Sparky dropped a bombshell. Out of the blue, he says, oh, that Nixon, though, he loves me. And my, I just, my ears went, what? He said, oh, yeah, he said he won't leave me alone. Delisle picked himself off the floor, so to speak, and pushed Sparky for details. He explained later to an audience how he first met Richard Nixon in 1979. I had been kicked out of Cincinnati, and I was out of a job, and I was home in Los Angeles, and I was at the ball game at uh, Anaheim Stadium. I'm setting up in the press box, and two guys come to me, and they say, the president wants to see you. I said, oh, my goodness, the president, yes, they're two security men. So we go on, on through these doors, and I said, uh, man, we could get into the bank vaults better than we can get in to see him. And they, they finally got me inside, and there he was. I couldn't believe it. He's just sitting there by himself. So I went in, and uh, Mr. President, and he got up and shook my hand. He said, sit down. I want to visit with you. I usually left the park at 9 o'clock and just went home. But he made me stay there the last four or five innings with him, and he wanted to go over all these different baseball things. He couldn't understand why every morning you pick up the paper and you see the top 10 hitters in the newspaper. He said, baseball wasn't built on hitting. Why don't you see the top 10 defensive players in the paper? You know, and the more I thought about riding home about that, I said, you know, this is a smart man. He should manage, not me. No wonder they fired me. But, but he wouldn't be unemployed for long. A few weeks after talking baseball with the former president, Sparky Anderson became manager of the Detroit Tigers. So now he had a job to do when the team visited the West Coast. But Nixon kept pursuing those baseball bull sessions. He's a, he said, the former president is a nut. And I said, uh, about what? He said, well, about sports. He talks to me so long when I'm out there, I've come close to missing games, which I'm sure was an exaggeration. What did you think were the odds that you really would get Richard Nixon? Mm. I didn't think it would come off. Delisle tracked down the phone number to Nixon's New Jersey office, pitched the show to one of the ex-president's aides, and waited for an answer. And waited. Six weeks went by. I thought it was a dead issue. I was leaving the station one Friday. It was the 4th of July weekend coming up. And uh, my, I was at the head of the stairs, and my phone rang way back on the second floor. And I said, I'll let it go. And for some reason... I ran back to pick up the phone. If I hadn't gone back, it would never, the whole thing never, it could not have come off. Because uh, when I picked it up, it was John Taylor, 
Nixon's assistant, this was Friday, late Friday, said, if you can be here, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, with two cameramen in uh, New Jersey, the president will uh, spend an hour talking with Sparky Anderson. Delisle scrambled to put a crew together and make flight arrangements. Kevin Ward was one of the cameramen. It was like, uh, you know, telling the wife, hey, honey, I, you know, on the 4th of July, no barbecue for me, I got to go. And, and uh, you know, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going over to New Jersey to interview <laughs> Richard Nixon with Sparky Anderson. And, of course, she probably said, where are you really going? <laughs> the interview would be the next day. That was convenient for Sparky because the Tigers were playing the Yankees in New York. You could not stop Sparky. When he was on a high, you couldn't slow him down. And he was whipped up that day, he was excited about interviewing Nixon. We'll continue our story in a moment, but first... It had been 15 years since Watergate forced Nixon's resignation. He and his wife, Pat, had lived in California, then moved back east to be closer to family. They eventually settled in Saddle River, New Jersey. Sparky and the WDIV crew were to meet him at his office nearby. So we were sent to a, a, an outer office next to Nixon's personal office. And I had written out about 30 questions on three by five cards for Sparky to ask uh, the president. So we were going over these questions. And just as we were about wrapping it up, we heard some uh, commotion in the hallway, and suddenly this voice said, Ah, oh, yes, is Sparky here yet? And I'm telling you, I got goosebumps. I almost jumped out of my chair. I, that was one of the most exciting moments of my life. You know, I'm thinking, it's Nixon! That voice, is, you know, there's no other voice remotely like it. While Sparky and Nixon talked privately, the crew set lights for the interview. The second cameraman was Kevin Hewitt. A few days earlier, Hewitt had rattled Delisle by revealing a plan to ask Nixon for an unusual favor. He said, when we're all done, I'm just going to ask him to look in the camera. I'm going to keep the camera rolling. And I'm going to ask him to say, my fellow Americans, this is the Kevin Hewitt resume tape. Please pay attention. I'm not a crook. I said, Kevin, he's not a crook. You're going to ask him to say that? He said, all right, we could leave that out if you want. I said, no, no, Kevin, we can't do it. And he said, no, I'm going to do it. He said, absolutely, I'm going to do it. It's the only chance I'll ever get. I said, yeah, I'd say. Delisle loved working with Hewitt, but forced him at the cost of losing his job to back down from his quest for another Nixon tape. With the lights, cameras, and microphones ready to go, the 37th president of the United States walked into the room. The two famous men settled into high-backed chairs in front of an American flag and an elephant statuette. Well, first, I'm delighted to be on this program with you, and there couldn't really be a greater cause. Sparky Anderson's interview of Richard Nixon began with a plug for the Cats charity. Then the conversation turned to baseball. As you know, I'm somewhat of a baseball fan. I, I'm not. The first time I ever saw a major league game was in Washington, D.C. in 1936. And I was in uh, law school at the time, and we came up to Washington, uh, sat in the sun bleachers out there at old Griffith Stadium. That was a nice stadium, too. And 
a young guy by the name of Joe DiMaggio was playing for the Yankees. And not I remember bad, he hit a, and he hit a couple of home runs out there into those sun bleachers. So I, it's so no I, surprise you know, that Sparky never brought up Watergate, a question he would have viewed as a high, hard one. But this answer was something of a reminder. Uh, in life, uh, there are more people that lose than win. But that doesn't mean that those that didn't win, even those that are in last place, uh, that you just write them off. After all, they played the game. I was sitting right in the center of those two guys, and both cameras were shooting over my shoulders. After every answer President Nixon gave, he would, Sparky would talk, Nixon would look at me, and he, and he, would, go, he would gesture like, is that okay? And I'd give him a thumbs up, and I think here I am judging and advising Richard Nixon. I want to go to something because I know that you're really interested in. Only a month before that interview, Chinese students protested against their government in Beijing's Tiananmen Square. Troops crushed the protest, killing hundreds. Sparky never used his 3x5 cards when he brought it up. I want to know what you feel and what you think now since what has happened. Do you feel in any way, if we go about this wrongly, that we will close the gates again to China. Could happen. Uh, and it would be a great tragedy, a great tragedy for the United States because of our interest in foreign policy area, but a great tragedy for the people of China. Sparky and foreign policy, who would have thunk it? How were the ratings? You know, I don't even know. Uh, Doesn't particularly matter to you right now. No, it never really did. It was, it was the show of my dreams. Sparky handled the interview flawlessly. And when the cameras were turned off, Nixon kept talking to everybody. Did you see and hear anything that day that gave you a new insight into him? Uh, his loneliness, yes, his loneliness. Uh, I felt very bad for him. Um, after uh, the interview was over and, and Sparky had uh, taken a limo back to New York, uh, we took our time breaking down the equipment, you know, packing it up and... Uh, putting the cameras away and the tapes. And uh, as I had told the, uh, the guys on the crew now, we can't bother the former president. We can't hang out and we can't ask him for autographs. Well, he, he was coming around us and asking everybody questions, going from guy to guy. Uh, how do you think the Lions are gonna do this year? Uh, what about the Pistons? He was very lonely. Nixon wasn't entirely isolated at that stage of his life in 1989. He was giving speeches, appearing on programs like Meet the Press, and writing books about foreign policy. But considering the abiding stain of Watergate, Delisle couldn't help but see him as a man exiled in his own country. It must be uh, something to have been the leader of the free world for almost two administrations, have the whole world at your door, Everybody wants to see you. Everybody's trying to get in. And now he's reduced. I don't, no insult to Sparky, but now he's reduced to talking about baseball and show business with Sparky Anderson. Fast forward to 2017. WDIV staffers fetch the old one inch videotape from the archive room digitize it and send me a link. 
Tom Delisle hasn't seen the show he produced since its airing. He watches on my laptop as Sparky takes the stage to introduce the interviews of Nixon and his other guests. Detroit Tiger manager, Sparky Anderson. One of the great characters of all time, Sparky Anderson. God, what a great set. The name Sparky appears in enormous letters, each one twice as tall as the host. He wears a tux and carries a golf club, a nod to Johnny Carson and his invisible prop. How comfortable do you think Sparky looks on stage? Tremendous. The guy was a natural performer. I came from a little town called Bridgewater, South Dakota, 632 people. If those people could see me here tonight in a tuxedo, they would be the wildest thing. This would be wilder than what's happening over there in Eastern Europe right now. <laughs> Believe me, it would be. There's no question about it. I love Sparky. God, was he fun to work with. You couldn't ask for anybody more agreeable. But when Sparky interviewed Nixon, the Tigers were mired in a 10-game losing streak. Delisle says fans never knew how the publicly jovial manager would sink into a private depression when the Tigers struggled. He had to manage at the end some really bad Tiger teams. He was, and if people thought, as I did before I knew Sparky, that that didn't get to him, boy, did it ever. When his teams were failing, you couldn't, you could barely talk to him. I had been to his office a couple times when the Tigers were in slumps, and he just kept saying, Tommy, Tommy, you don't, know what it's, you don't know what it's like. Like Richard Nixon, he was well acquainted with highs and lows. I think they were both uh, had uh, inferiority complexes that they grew up with, and uh, they were both guys, old-fashioned types, who had rolled up their sleeves and had made it in this country who had done phenomenal things in America that nobody ever expected of them. They were both hustlers. If Nixon had gone into baseball, he wouldn't have been a Sparky type, but Sparky could have gone into politics and... Uh, Probably Sparky would not have opened the door to China. Uh, he might have opened the door to the men's room. That would might have been as close <laughs> as he would have come. But uh, they, uh, they had a lot in common. I think they recognized that in each other. And I think that's why Sparky liked him so much. Many more TV projects would come to Lyle's way. But when he was 57, a lingering sore throat turned into a cancer diagnosis. The tumor was in a place where doctors could not operate. They had to pull all his teeth to be sure the intense radiation found its target. Delisle is now cancer-free, though the treatment permanently left him with a scratchy voice. He's done producing TV shows but he loves talking about this one. It's, it's the weirdest uh, arrangement that I've ever heard of in the business. Sparky and Nixon. Richard Nixon died from a stroke in 1994. Sparky Anderson died from dementia in 2010. His catch charity is still going strong, bringing love and quality care to pediatric patients. Catch has given $7 million to Children's Hospital and Henry Ford Hospital. So it seems appropriate that the Sparky Nixon interview ended with this compliment. I think when you look back in your career, the thing that you would be most proud of is what you've done for these kids. Because this is something you didn't have to do. And I must say I admire it very greatly. 
it, it's a marvelous cause, and I hope that all of our listeners will continue to support it. Thank you, Mr. President. Wait a minute. What did I just see on that old tape? There it is. Thank you, Mr. President. A little tear in Sparky's eye. I'm Roger Weber. You've been listening to Mismatch, stories of the incompatible, the unsuitable, and the out of step. To learn more about Sparky's charity, go to catchcharity.org. It's a wonderful mission. On our next episode, a deliciously complicated tale of food, language, race, and identity set in a rapidly changing neighborhood of Detroit. A lot of people were eating there, a lot of people were going, a lot of people were posting photos, and they were telling me, hey, there's this place that's Thai and it's sort of fusion, I think you'd really like it. I was like, oh, this could be cool, and then I saw the name. Mismatch is a production of Graham Media Group with WDIV Local 4 in Detroit. It's produced by Zach Rosen and written and narrated by me, Roger Weber. You can find us at mismatchpodcast.com. If you've been enjoying our show, please let your friends know about Mismatch and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. 